You are listening to a sermon brought to you by Shatter State Chi Alpha. I pray that this sermon will bless you and teach you something new today. And you can find a link to our website in the info. Check it out and shoot us a message. We would love to hear from you. Are you guys ready for this week? Clearly, clearly you guys are ready. Maybe I should have toned it down last week a little bit. Are you guys ready for this week? Yeah. There's still like three of you guys. You guys are so encouraging. I'm just going to quit. I'm done. Shutting my laptop off. Hey, you don't have to be here. I'll talk to the wall if I have to. Oh, Jeremiah, man. (laughs) I like that one person got my joke. You guys, okay. (laughs) That was a genuinely good joke. Come on, guys. Read your Bibles. I know that, okay. What? Oh, no, it's hilarious. You just don't get it, Mr. Wyoming. All right. Are you guys ready for this week? That's a little bit better. All right. So lean up to the person in front of you or to the person behind you and whisper, are you ready? We're just... we're. We're just embracing the awkward in here. It's so fun. My brother posted a status. He's like, I tried to be awkward once. Didn't like it. Never happened again. I was like, dude, you just got to know how to embrace the awkward. The awkward is like, dude, that's like the cool zone. For real. Oh, dude, he's so awkward. All right. So let's get started. (laughs) There's so many distractions this week, but this sermon is going to be awesome. We're continuing the sermon series from last week is the Shaken Sermon Series. This is my favorite, probably one of my favorite sermons that exists, not only that I've written, but just period. I absolutely love this sermon. So I've been excited to preach this sermon all week. But um, I am going to warn you, there is a bit of jumping around in Scripture. And so to start off with, we're going to be in Matthew 7. So if you want to go ahead and just get to Matthew 7, so we can just jump right into it this week. <clears throat> As we talked about a little bit last week, we talked about being shaken as in the aspect of um, when life comes against you and when life happens and when hardships come, how we should respond and what it should look like as Christians, how we deal with hardships, how we deal with life. This week, we're going to take that little foundation. We're going to dig down a little bit deeper and we're going to begin to put this foundation of this sermon series together. So Matthew 7, starting in verse 24. Therefore, what is the therefore, therefore, therefore is there because Jesus is talking about bearing good fruit and doing God's will prior to this. Okay. So Matthew seven twenty four. therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So basically what this is saying is when life gets rough, when life comes against you, when it's hard, basically reiterating what we talked about last week, when life gets hard, our reaction says more than our reaction does when it's light. Um, That doesn't make any sense. But when life gets really tough, 
that's when you begin to find out what your foundation is built on. Because your reaction to when life is hard is way more telling about your character than your reactions when life is easy, when life is nice, when things are going your way. When things stop going your way, I can tell about your character 10 times more than when the sun is shining and everything's going great. Because it's easy for us to pretend like everything's amazing when the sun's shining. But as soon as a storm comes, we let down those walls and we begin to react the way our heart really truly is designed and who we are um, at our core. And so when the storm comes, my question for you is, is your foundation built on Jesus or is it built on maybe your parents' vision of version of God? Or is it built on, you know, your parents just in general? Is your foundation built on your spouse? Is it built on your significant other? Is it built on money? Is it built on your job, your, your future career, your college education? What happens if all of a sudden you fail out of college? Do you feel like you are less of a person because of that circumstance? Or is your foundation built on Jesus Christ? If all of a sudden your health goes south and you find yourself in the hospital for a month and that sucks away all of your money as well, do you feel like less of a person or is your foundation built on Jesus Christ? Because when we build our foundations on the wrong things, when we build our foundations on money, on college, on our parents, God, when we build our foundation on those things and then a storm comes such as like, or an earthquake comes, and begins to beat against that house and begins to, to shake that house. Um, and perhaps you lose a parent. Perhaps you lose your money. Perhaps you lose your significant other, your job. Um, you have to drop out of college. Whatever it looks like, maybe you fail out of college. When that storm comes, our response to God then can become unhealthy. Because oftentimes, when the storms come, that's when people are more likely to walk away from the church. It really does a good job at exposing our heart. And I know it's so easy to tell because when someone all of a sudden stops showing up to Chi Alpha or stops showing up to church, I know that the reason that they're not coming isn't because they're all of a sudden too busy. Now, if you miss a week here and there because you're busy, that's one thing. But if all of a sudden you miss a semester, it's not because you were too busy. It's because your heart was exposed. Hardship came. And all of a sudden you push God away and your response to God becomes very unhealthy. And the storm is what exposed that. Sometimes the storm looks different, but really what came about is the storm really exposed what you were in your heart truly. How many of you guys have ever been in an earthquake before? A couple of you guys. So a few years ago, when I was in college, I know it's been a few years, but when I was in college here at Shadron, here in Shadron, there was actually an earthquake. And my wife and I, we were just dating at the time. We were hanging out and all of a sudden it just sounded like every single person in the entire building just all of a sudden run, started running up and down the hallways. Like you could see the foundation, you could see the walls shaking and you could just hear it. It was just loud. And uh, my mom grew up in California, so I spent a lot of time in California growing up. And so I knew exactly what it was right off the bat. I was like, that's an earthquake. I know we're in Shadron, but that, that's an earthquake. And so I turned to Courtney, and I'm like, that's, I guarantee that's an earthquake. I guarantee it. And she was like, I don't think that's what that was. And I was like, okay, whatever. But then in the back of my head, I'm thinking, well, we're just chilling in Shadron, Nebraska. The chances of that being an earthquake are pretty small. And I'm going to feel really stupid if I try to argue with her. And
and tell her this is an earthquake and it just come to find out it was the wrestling team running up and down the halls or something. Like, so I was like, all right, I'm going to let it go because it doesn't really matter. It's not an argument worth having. And so sure enough, one of the few times I've ever let an argument go, uh, a little bit later, shadrad.com posts about the earthquake that happened just a few miles outside of Shadron. And I was like, boo, yeah. And then in the back of my head, like my subconscious was like, Tanner, just enjoy this, this moment. Enjoy this moment because this is the last time that you are ever going to be right for the rest of your life when it comes to Courtney. And I was like, all right. So I humbly was like, in your face, woman. <laughs> but who would have ever thought, though, that, that earthquake and, and having your home earthquake-proof, having earthquake insurance might ever be important in Shattern? Like, who, when they're getting ready to pick out insurance, goes, you know what, in Shattern, probably should get some earthquake insurance, you know, just in case. Like, that's not on the forefront of your mind. Like, that's not something that comes to your mind quickly. But yet, it still happened here. And that's the cool thing. And the unfortunate thing about earthquakes is they're not predictable. Like, sometimes they happen in the least expected places. The storms sometimes happen in the most unexpected times of our lives. Things would be going absolutely amazingly in our life. Things are looking up. We're getting ready to graduate college. We've got straight A's. We've got a job lined up. We're like all set. And then that's when the storm comes in and just absolutely wrecks your life. They're not predictable. You can't predict when they're going to happen. Little did I know that my dad would get cancer my senior year of college and I would have to take out credit card loans in order to pay for my tuition. And then a year after that, my mom would get diagnosed with something that would eventually take her life. Like I was still fresh in college. I was still in college when she went into the hospital for what eventually six years later would take her life. Like I was getting ready to graduate. Things were looking great. I had a job. I had a career lined up. I knew what my future was. Things were looking awesome. And then life slapped me in the face. The thing about storms is they're just simply not predictable. The thing about earthquakes are they're just not predictable. Not to 100% accuracy, at least. And so while writing this sermon and thinking about earthquakes and, and on the topic of earthquakes, I decided to go ahead and look up um, what having an earthquake-proofed house would look like. Like, I just Googled, what does it look like? What does it mean to have an earthquake-proofed home? What I found, it said, damage from an earthquake can be so extensive that in some cases, the only remedy is to completely rebuild. Earthquakes can, mean, or earthquakes can make existing home foundation problems significantly worse. If you don't have insurance, the consequences can be dire. Little did this website know that it was going to write my sermon for me. So what do we do? How do we know where our foundations are built? Well, let's see what this uh, houselogic.com had to say about it. To check whether your house needs earthquake strengthening, crawl into the crawl space or go into the basement and look. Duh. Like, that's obviously, I'm going to go down into the foundation, I'm going to look and see if my house is earthquake-proof. But man, will that preach. How do we as Christians find out if we are earthquake-proof? 
We have to go down into our dark closet that we've hidden away from everybody else, and we need to look into it and find out where our foundation is built. Because in our society, when we're building our foundation, our society tells us, you need to go find yourself. You need to experiment. You need to really truly find what makes you happy. You go out and experience life, figure out who you are, then set your anchor and build your foundation on that. Just follow your heart. Like if I had a dollar for every time I heard somebody say, just follow your heart when talking about your future career. But I don't know about you, but I know that my heart is deceitful and my heart will lead me astray. And so I cannot build my foundation on what makes me happy, on what my heart tells me to build it on, because it will leave my foundation completely corrupt. And when the storms come, because they will come, my house will fall. Everything that I've built my life on will fall. Because on the contrary, what you should do to find your identity is to first figure out who God is. Because once you know who he is, then you can figure out who you are and why you were created. Because Scripture tells us that our identity or our foundation should be built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. I mean, it it flat out says that. We just read it. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It's pretty blatant. And so let's turn into Luke 6 to continue looking at the foundation and start to build off of it. Luke 6, starting in verse 46. If you don't have Bible, it will be up on the board. Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Repeat that. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, or repeat that again, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the floods came, when the storm came, when the earthquake came, The torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was built well. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent came, the moment the storm came, the moment the earthquake came and struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Simply put, what Jesus is saying is to build your house on the foundation of Christ, we need to put into practice the things that Jesus taught. I love this so much because ultimately, we know that simply just keeping Jesus' commands won't get us into heaven. And trying to line up with the law will leave us failing every time. What we know here, or what we know from Scripture, is that salvation comes solely from Jesus Christ. Because Romans 10 says, 
If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So what we're talking about today is not salvation. We're not talking about salvation here. Salvation is the most important aspect of our relationship with Christ because it's, it's basically, it's, it's literally what Jesus came to earth for. But we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about our foundations. Because you can be saved and truly know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, but yet still not have your foundation built on Jesus Christ. But who knows for how long that you'll be saved because when the earthquake comes, when the storm comes, when the tidal wave comes, and life begins to throw everything it has at you, everything that you've built your life upon will come crashing down, unless it is built on Jesus Christ. And what happens is you'll be standing there, staring at the fallout, mad at God, mad at the world, wondering how you will ever be able to move on. I know this because I've been there. I've experienced what it feels like to have my foundation built on something other than Jesus Christ. And it sucks. And you get mad. It's not a fun place to be, but I've also experienced what it feels like to have the storm come and have my foundation built upon Jesus Christ and how much easier it is to endure that loss and that storm and that hardship because I still know where my foundation is. Because ultimately, when we don't have our foundations built upon Jesus Christ, I don't care how meticulously you plan it. I don't care how hard you work at it. You could be the hardest working human that has ever existed in the history of humanity. And you can plan out every single solitary detail. And you can do everything it possibly takes to achieve that dream. But at the end of it, when a storm comes and knocks your feet out from underneath you, you'll be falling down and you'll be face first in the dirt, still angry and still mad at God. Because what eventually happens is you'll begin to have to, to, to lie about the narrative. You'll begin to have to paint this false picture on Facebook, on Twitter, lying, saying how amazing everything is going, how happy you are, how perfect everything is. Because at some level, you desire to achieve the level of righteousness and happiness that you feel you should be at. But it's hollow and it's fake. So let's go back to our parable. Let's go back to what Jesus was talking about. Let's go back to these two men. And let's break down this text a little bit further. So from these two men, we can conclude that both men had the same thing in mind, right? They both wanted to build a house. They both desired to build a house. Both the same. That means their view of the future was the same. That shows me that both men wanted to start a life. They wanted to build their roots down. They wanted to to start that future life. They both probably, I guarantee, uh, wanted to start a life really worth living. Nobody wants to start a life that isn't worth living. Both of them wanted to build a life that had significance to them. And they were beginning to establish their roots Perhaps both even desired to have a family. 
See, these men were very similar to you and me. I'm beginning to build a life with my wife. You're trying to find somebody that you can build a life with. You're wanting to build that life. You're starting the process of building that life. And you're wanting to build a life that you can look back on and be proud of. We all want a stable, vibrant, and committed life and a committed family. And so also, just like you and me, these men heard the word of Jesus Christ. Right now, you are hearing the word of Jesus Christ. In this place, you are hearing the word of Jesus Christ, and you will be held responsible to the word of Jesus Christ that you are hearing today. You're hearing it through a sermon through me. At home, we hear the word of Jesus Christ when we read our Bibles, when the Holy Spirit talks to us. We all in this room have heard the word of Jesus Christ now. These men were the same. These men were also committed to making themselves available to hear the word of Jesus Christ. That tells me that they were attending places that they could hear the word of Jesus Christ because this passage clearly states that both men heard Jesus' words. Just like all of you in here, they made themselves available to hear from Jesus. See, this story isn't saying that this is a story of one man who heard Jesus' words and built a foundation and another man who didn't hear Jesus' words and built a foundation. No, both of these men heard Jesus' words and began to build their foundation. You could even deduce that these two men lived in the same area or same town because ultimately they were affected by the exact same storm. These men could be two of you guys in here attending Chi Alpha. I mean, we could even start to say this, these two men could be you and a sibling. They could be you and the person sitting next to you. And last week, we learned and we, we agreed that storms truly do come. They will come. They do have an effect on us, even as Christians. And everyone in here is affected by the negative realities that come with living in a fallen world. Because we are here in a fallen world and humans were given free will. But these two men, as close and similar and identical as they are, are very different at the same time. A very, very important difference exists among them. Because characteristically, they were different. And Jesus calls, Jesus goes as far to call one man wise and the second man foolish straight up says both of these men have heard the word of God and one of them is wise and one of them is foolish. One of them is viewed as a wise man who wants to build something, a wise man who gets spiritual training and a wise man in the storm. And the other is a foolish man who wants to build something, a foolish man who gets spiritual training and still a foolish man in the storm. The wisdom here. And what makes one wise and one foolish is the ability to take Christ's truth and apply it to themselves and their life. The fool does not lack information. You don't lack information. The fool doesn't lack resources. You don't lack resources. The fool doesn't lack motivation. You're in here. You don't lack motivation. The fool is the one who does nothing 
with the information he has received. See, on the outside, they could have even looked like twins, identical twins. They might have even been twins, but yet one was wise and one was foolish. And when the sun was shining and there was no storm and everything was going amazingly, you might not have been able to tell the difference between these two guys. They could have been that identical. You could have probably had no idea which one was the wise man and which one was the foolish man during during the sunshine. But as soon as the storm came, you could immediately begin to see the flaws from the outside. See, that's what we're getting at. Storms have a way of revealing the nature of our foundations. Because when the sun is shining, we don't often think about our foundation. When the sun is shining, it's the easiest time to change our foundation. Yet it's the point in time in which we don't even think about our foundations. We don't care as much about our foundations when the sun is shining. When everything in our life is going perfectly, we often aren't thinking, hey, if the next storm comes, do I have my foundation beat on, or built on Jesus? Oftentimes when the sun is shining, we're not thinking about those things. Usually what happens is a storm comes, jacks us up, then we start thinking, oh, hey, Maybe my foundation shouldn't have been built on that. And then we begin to build our foundation on Jesus. And so what I'm asking you guys to do is circumnavigate that whole system and right now make the decision to build your foundation on Jesus Christ and solely on Jesus Christ. Because I don't want a storm to come and you not show up next week. I don't want a storm to come and all of a sudden you walk away from Jesus Christ because you didn't take the time to apply God's Word to your lives. That's really what it comes down to is the application. Many of you guys are familiar with the story with uh, Mark 4 where Jesus is basically telling the disciples, hey, go over to the other side. We're getting in a boat. We're going to go to the other side of this lake. And then Jesus lays down, falls asleep, and then a nasty storm comes. And basically what happens next is the disciples are sitting there freaking out because this storm is coming and they're in this teeny tiny little boat and they yell out to Jesus. They're like, Jesus, do you even care if we die? Jesus, do you care? How many times have we said that? God, do you really care? Jesus, do you even care if we die? And Jesus wakes up and calms the sea and then asks the disciples, why are you so full of fear? Do you still have no faith? If it was me and Jesus wakes up and goes, why are you so full of fear? I'm pretty sure I had to retort it back like, uh, because the boat was singing and I was pretty sure we were going to die. Like I would have been totally sarcastic with Jesus. That's why I'm probably not a disciple back then. And Jesus says to the storm, peace. Be still. What's up, buddy? Let's focus in, guys. And Jesus said to the storm, Peace, be still. He didn't rebuke the storm. He didn't call it Satan. He just said, Peace, be still. I like to picture it this way. I think of a soldier riding in a tank, getting ready to go into battle. Man, thinking World War II is going on. This dude is in a tank riding up to a battle. He knows there's a battle ahead of him. He's in the tank. He's on the road. He's going. I don't picture the soldier freaking out because of the war coming up on him or the war that he's coming up on. 
I picture him zoned in, ready to face the war. And he's riding up to this storm. And the reason why we don't picture the soldier freaking out is because the tank was built with war in mind. The tank was built with war in mind. It's not like a tank, it's not like a soldier went and hopped in a car and was like, ooh, I'm going to take this car into war. The tank was built with war in mind. Because when a war broke out, a soldier didn't drive a, a Honda Accord into war because, you know, it's a good idea. I hopped in a tank because it was built with war in mind. And I don't know what storms or hurricanes or issues that you're going to face. But what it really comes down to is either you just got out of one, you're currently in a storm, or there is a storm right around the corner. I can promise you that the storms will come. If you're not experiencing one now and you didn't just get out of one, one's coming around the corner. But our foundation in Christ was built with the storm in mind. When Jesus did what He did on the cross, He did it with the storm in mind. Our foundation in Jesus is built with the storm in mind. Because our foundation in Jesus Christ can handle the storm. There's no need to panic. There's no need to freak out. The foundation will stand. And this foundation which involves the truth of God applied to your life. Because foundations are not simply information that we stand on. The Word of God is not simply having a Bible under your arm, sitting on your coffee table. It is taking the truth of God and applying it to our lives as the main mode in which we make every decision in our lives. God should be at the foundation. What differentiated these two men? Both heard, one did. And so right now, you're faced with a choice. You have heard the Word of Jesus Christ. You have heard what Jesus has done for you. You now have the choice. You can be like the wise man and apply it to your life and take it seriously and begin to allow God to affect every decision you make. Or you can go out, walk out these doors, and live your life exactly the same as you always have and just have the get-out-of-jail-free card in your back pocket. Because ultimately, I wish that I could tell you that giving your life to Christ meant that no storms would come. But I'm not a big fan of lying from the pulpit, and so I'm not going to tell you that. In fact, I'm going to tell you, Jesus tells us storms are going to come. Life's going to smack us. As you remember last week, we're talking about Philippians, and Paul is writing a letter from jail in which he says, rejoice, rejoice. Paul was in the middle of a storm, and yet he still had the wherewithal to write those letters. Why? Because his foundation was in Jesus Christ and not in his freedom. His foundation was in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for what you have done. We thank you for the fact that you have died on the cross. We thank you that we live in a country where we can freely hear your word. 
And so, Lord, I pray that in this place, we would make the decision, we would consciously make the decision to apply Your Word to our lives. Lord, I pray that You would help us to make You our foundation. That You would help us to turn away from false idols. You would help us to turn away from money, career, our parents' faith as those idols. And Lord, that You would help us to turn to You and only You. Because only Your foundation can withstand the storms. Lord, we love You and we thank You for what You have done. Amen. We're going to close out with, with a worship song. But quickly, I just want to, to just reiterate the whole point of this sermon, the whole point of me saying all of the things I said isn't because I'm telling you you're foolish and, and accosting you and telling you you're less than you should be or anything like that. It's simply because I want to see you guys step up. Those of you who are already stepping up, I want to see you step up even more. I want to see you guys run and take in stride these challenges. I want to see you guys grow as not only people, but as Christians. I want to see you guys take advantage of the opportunities you have while you're here in college to grow as a Christian. Because you have an absolutely unique, pos or a, a, a unique situation when you're in college to be living with thousands of people your age in which you can witness to. And so I don't tell you all of this just to make you feel bad and make you feel guilty about your life. It's to encourage you. It's to show you that even when the storms come, man, we can withstand it because of Jesus Christ. I wanted to encourage you guys. I wanted to, to motivate you guys to not just sit there and be complacent just hearing the Word of God and then going out and acting like every other college kid on this campus. Jesus died so that you could be set apart. He didn't die so you could remain the same. And I want to see you guys excel. I want to see you guys become the best that you can possibly be. And the only way you can do that is through a foundation built on Jesus Christ. Let's worship. Oop. I just wanted to share this with you guys because um, that's like my favorite worship song. But um, the reasoning behind it, um, hopefully you all have heard the original hymn that that's based on. But uh, um, so uh, back when I was in, in band in, in high school, we did Western Trails Conference. We actually did an arrangement of that song. It's originally by uh, Horatio G. Spafford. And... Um, our director, our conductor was just, uh, uh, like, <laughs> we were having kind of a tough day. Um, we weren't really getting it down and getting the feeling behind it and stuff. And so he paused and just told us the story behind, um, behind this song uh, of why it was written. And so I'm just going to go ahead and read this. It might be a little, a little lengthy, but... So, Horatio G. Spafford was a successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago with a lovely family, a wife, Anna, and five children. However, they were not strangers to tears and tragedy. Their young son died with pneumonia in 1871, and in that same year, much of their business was lost in the great Chicago fire. Yet, God, in his mercy and kindness, allowed the business to flourish once more. On November 21st, er, 1873, 
the French ocean liner Ville de Harve, I, I can't pronounce that, but the French ocean liner was crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among the passengers were Mr. Mrs. Spafford and their four daughters. Although Mr. Spafford had planned to go with his family, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago to help solve an unexpected business problem. He told his wife he would join her and their children in Europe a few days later. His plan was to take another ship. About four days into crossing the, in the crossing of the Atlantic, it, the, the ship collided with a powerful, iron-hulled Scottish ship. Suddenly, all of those on board were in grave danger. Anna hurriedly brought her four children to the deck. She knelt there with Annie, Margaret Lee, Bessie, and Tanetta, and prayed that God would spare them if, if that could be his will, or to make them willing to endure whatever awaited them. Within approximately 12 minutes, the ship slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic, carrying with it 226 of the passengers, including the four Spafford children. A sailor rowing, rowing on a small boat over the spot where the ship went down spotted a woman floating on a piece of the wreckage. It was Anna, still alive. He pulled her into the boat, and they were picked up by another large vessel, and nine days later landed in Cardiff, Wales. From there, she wired her husband a message, which began, Saved alone, what shall I do? Mr. Spafford later framed the telegram and placed it in his office. Another of the ship's survivors later recalled Anna saying, God gave me four daughters. Now they have been taken from me. Someday I will understand why. Mr. Spafford booked passage on the next available ship, ship and left to join his grieving wife. With the ship about four days out, the captain called Spafford to his cabin and told them they were over the place where his children went down. According to... Bertha Spafford Vester, a daughter born after the tragedy, Spafford wrote, It is well with my soul while on this journey. And that story just always stuck with me. And so after hearing basically a, a more condensed version of that story, our conductor had us like <laughs> play the song again. And that time it was just, I don't know if you, any of you guys were like band or choir times, or band or choir students, but like it was just one of those times where like, the music you were playing like brought you to tears, and that's just what it was for me. And so ever since then, that song has just held a great significance with me. And so I just wanted to share that because I thought it was really fitting. Like I wasn't even planning, you know, it just it just kind of fit in with what was what was spoken tonight. So just out of such a tragedy, we get such a, a beautiful song that holds such meaning and that has survived centuries and is still um, encouraging and reaching us today. And so. So, yeah. Um, dear God, I just thank you for these students, Lord. Um, I just thank you that. I just thank you, Lord, that they have the salvation that has given them the ultimate freedom, Lord. And so from, from here on out, Lord, they don't have to worry. They don't have to toil. They don't have to try and earn your approval or your love, God, because you give it freely. And so, Lord, I pray that as they go, as they go beyond these doors, Lord, that they would just be encouraged by that. God, that trials and troubles will come, will come even, if we, even though we pray for them to, um, to not happen. God, sometimes they even still come, and um, we can just be caught in the waves, so to speak, and just tumbling over and over again. But Lord, I just pray that you would just be that steadying voice in the midst of it all, God, that you, Lord, that you would just be that still small voice and that we could just pick ourselves back up and just say it as well. 
Dear Lord, I just pray protection over these students as they go, Lord, just in the last weeks of this semester. God, that you would strengthen them, Lord, that um, they're getting to that point where it's just everything's crazy busy and the weather's crazy and professors are crazy and just everything's crazy. But God, I pray that you would just give them a special strength, Lord, that they could just be strong pillars on this campus and showing that in in a time where... A lot of students seem to crumble under stress. God, I just pray that they could just show their strength, Lord, and the strength that comes from you, God. And it's not something that they have to come up with on their own, Lord. They rely on you for this strength and this peace. And so, God, I just pray that you would give that to them, Lord, that they could just um, gather themselves each and every day, put on your armor, and then just go to war. And, Lord, that you you would just bless these students that you would have a special revelation for them this week, that you would meet them personally in their needs, God, that you would speak to them on a one-on-one basis, God. We just love you and we thank you, and I just pray that you would deliver all these students safely back next week, Lord. We pray in your name. Amen.